You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, hey guys, I want to welcome you. If you're in Olathe at North Overland Park, South Overland Park, or the venue online, uh, just want to thank you for joining us here as we close out our Radical Generosity series. And also thank you for praying for our team. Uh, I led a team of 25 people to Israel, uh, to the Holy Land. We visited sites. We saw someone come to faith. We would never expect, not a team member, though that'd be great too. We believe they all come to faith. But somebody in the Holy Land, it was amazing. We served also a Bedouin, a Bedouin woman who's been abandoned by her culture, helped build a house there. It was just amazing to see what God did. We'll hear more about that in the coming weeks, uh, Lord willing. But I do want to say we're closing out a Radical Generosity series. And what is Radical Generosity? A radical Generosity is defined by God the Father. When you have a people you created in your image, and they made a mess of everything, like sin, destruction, and people did not deserve your love, didn't ask for your love, you decide to send your child into the world to be abused by the very people who do not deserve your love, who do not ask for your love, your child's death at their hands on their behalf. Like that is radical generosity. And our our theme has been, you know, as you grow in Jesus Christ, God calls you to be Experience moments of generosity to a lifestyle of generosity to radical generosity yourself. And so this week is very exciting. We're going to close out with a story of generosity. I'll introduce our guest in just a moment. But here's a guy who was taught by his dad to practice generosity, biblical generosity, then faced a nightmarish attack on his reputation, his career, his livelihood, everything that would have sunk most people and his God's faithfulness. In that incredibly difficult season. I can't wait for you to hear the story, by the way, and some lessons around that. So I'll introduce Tom Lipscomb to you. Tom and his wife, Kari, started exploring grace about a year ago. Tom is from Texas, but got his heart right and came to Kansas. He came to, came to KU. Uh, so he's a KU grad, and now all the MUK State fans are offended. He is the first person in the history of KU to actually graduate with a saxophone performance degree. He got a bachelor's and master's. Went to work at Northwestern Mutual for about 30 years now, and 20 21 of those 30 years. He's a 21-time recipient of an award called the Top of the Table. In the insurance sales industry, uh, only 600 people each year around the world receive this award. He's received that 21 of 30 years. Him and his wife, Kari, just celebrated just recently their 29th anniversary. They have two kids studying at Wheaton, Anna and Thomas. I'm going to give it up. I want to hear Olathe, south of the park, northern park. Would you give it up nice and loud for Tom Lipscomb? Welcome, my friend. Thank you. So, uh, Tom, you brought a couple pictures for us. We're going to introduce your family. Sure. Let's let's take a look. All right. So, there's your first photo. So, there's uh, my beautiful wife, Kari, and Thomas. He's not really that tall. I'm not really that short. He is. <laughs> he is very tall, though. What's it? Six eight. Six nine. Six six nine. Yeah. Okay. And there's, and there's Anna, the violin performance major at yeah. Wheaton, a senior. Yeah. And yeah. you got another photo though. I think you picked this one. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Just want to be clear. Yeah. So that was a surprise to your wife, Kari. To see I think this I photo. was saying enough family photos. I think that's. 
what I was expressing. That's right. So you ready to go today? Sure. All right. Let's do it. All right. So today we're going to talk about a story. I'll, I'll interview, kind of interview Tom. One of the most crazy, nightmarish stories. But you're going to actually hear from God, see how to walk with God on multiple levels. Listen for that moment where God challenges you. Maybe it's listening to God. Are you listening to God? Maybe it's weekly biblical generosity, tithing, 10% of everything you receive. Maybe it's giving beyond the tithe and offering level. Maybe it's alms, individuals. God's going to prompt you. Wait, wait for your moment. What is your moment that God has for you? He's going to speak to you. Radical generosity. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I pray that you would um, speak to every single person. Maybe somebody, there are people here and online uh, who are far from God. They are atheists. Uh, they are absolute doubters and skeptics. And we are so thankful that they're here. Um, that they're here exploring faith, ask, asking tough questions. Uh, we thank you for them. We pray you to give them what they need. As you continue to show them who Jesus Christ is, that he died for their sins, that he is alive today. God, I pray for those who are growing, trying to navigate what does following God look like in their life. And I pray you'd help challenge them, grow them, encourage them in what biblical generosity is. There are people who need to be challenged to another level of radical generosity. They've kind of bought, plateaued out at whatever level of generosity that they're at right now. We're th- thankful for that growth. But there's another level, another practice you want them to engage in. So God, I pray you guide them and speak to them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Tom, once you begin talking about, you first became aware of the principles of tithing and generosity. Can you tell that story uh, as a middle schooler, I guess? I was in junior high with my mom and my dad, uh, became saved, yeah. and it was a radical transformation. They gave their life to the Lord, uh, particularly radical for my dad. My dad was a chemical engineer. Amen. Hey, we love engineers. A Amen. nerdy, nerdy chemical engineer. I am one. Amen. <laughs> nerdy engineers. Very mathematically oriented. In fact, in his checking account, paper checking account, he kept five sub-accounts, categories, and everything had to add up to the penny. Yeah. And I remember him commenting that, at, uh, that that they never made ends meet. There was always a shortfall every month. But my dad became convinced that they were called to the tithe, 10%. Yeah. And he took that step, they took that step, uh, where it didn't make mathematical sense. But years later, he told me that they never had a shortfall again. So I accepted the principle of tithing in my own life early on. Yeah. In fact, this has happened in, in my ministry over the years over and over and over. I, um, there's a guy in our church right now that's about three, four months into it. About six, seven months ago came and talked just kind of, hey, the, it's not adding up, not adding up. And it's really counterintuitive to say what you need to do to add your money up is to give away 10%. And he said, it doesn't make sense. Well, it's been three, four months now. Every single month, God providing, providing, providing. And so you were taught that by your dad saw that. Um, and then let's fast forward. Now you kind of had a rocky start. You're in the insurance sales industry and it was very important. In fact, there's a verse. We'll put the verse on the screen. Deuteronomy 26 verse two. It was important to you, even when income wasn't coming in, that you were actually tithing the first fruits. Can you explain that whole process? Well, if we take a look at the verse, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land, the Lord, your God is giving you. And we think we're producing it. Yeah. And yet what it says there is that the Lord, our God, is giving it to us first. It's all his first. Yeah, yeah. So I accepted the principle that I needed to uh, give of the first fruits. And my income, uh, let's call it lumpy 
early on in my career. Nothing, Meaning, nothing, 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 something. Something, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I uh, committed in advance of that lumpy income what I was going to give in faith of the first fruits. Uh, my, I have to tell you that my early career was uh, a faith walk as well. I'm, I'm very, uh, back then, very introverted by nature. Uh, this smooth transition from saxophone performance to insurance sales. You can probably feel the smoothness of, of that transition. I began, yes. I began my career in Kansas City. I knew no one. Yeah. Um, I, I liked everything about my career except calling people and meeting people, I would have to say. <laughs> I was good with the rest of it. And, and so my career, yeah. I mean, fortunately, my career itself was a faith walk. Yeah. I, yeah. I had to walk by faith and, and giving of the first fruits was a faith walk as well. I trusted the Lord that he would provide. Yeah, Yeah, in fact, if you study biblical society, tithing is the first fruits. For farmers in agrarian society, you've got to kind of imagine a bell curve. Amen from the engineers right now, the bell curve. First 10% on your, comes in the harvest, and you don't know if the 90% is going to come in. That crop may be destroyed, eaten, stolen. So the farmers would live by faith. They'd give away the first 10% trusting God. That the 90 will come in, and that's the principle of first fruits, giving the first 10% and trusting God, God's going to take care of it. So now you had a couple aha moments though. So you were now tithing by faith, first fruits, and then someone challenged you to think about it's not just 10%. Giving beyond that's called offerings. Explain that journey. So early on in my career, I was walking down the hall inside my office, and a mentor of mine was coming out of a conference room with an individual I didn't know, and the mentor stopped me. And he said, I want you to go in this conference room. He, this individual, is a missionary in Hungary, and I want you to hear his story. And then when you come out, you're going to have given him $100 a month. You're going to commit to that. <laughs> and and I, I was influenced by him, uh, obviously. And you did this. I, I did. So this guy has to have huge influence in your life to walk in. Not many people can just say, okay, now I know you're tithing, but you're going to go meet this guy. You're going to commit to 1200 a year, 100 every single month to a missionary. Go. And I think part of it was, that was his story, the missionary's story, yeah. his heart, his spirit about serving in Hungary, the sacrifice that he was making yeah. in his own life. And I connected my giving to, to something tangible. Yeah. He, was, he was giving. I could be a sender uh, in, yeah. his, in his world. Yeah, but it didn't stop there. So now you're... you're second aha. Yes, your second aha. Yeah. So I, I, I'm at a client's home. I see on the refrigerator pictures of families different families. I'm curious, who are these? And uh, he says, well, these are uh, the various families with Campus Crusade, now known as Crew, uh, that we support. And he told me stories of each of those families. And the epiphany for me was I had always used my crew, hungry guy, as my excuse not to give further. I'm supporting. I love that organization. I'm already supporting. Yes. And here I had my breakthrough uh, understanding that you weren't limited to one. To one missionary. So and you could actually give to multiple missionaries. Yeah, that I, is a horrific thought. I, <laughs> if, ignorance had been bliss. Yes. Right? Yes. And then we, Kari and I, uh, you know, five missionaries, 10, 15, yeah. we, we, we didn't stop, stop there. Yeah. The third uh, aha, I, I can remember 20 years ago, I was in a hotel on a business trip. I needed to have a shirt laundered. Yeah. So 20 years ago, I send the shirt to be laundered. The cost is like $9. Horrific. Ridiculous. Yeah. You could almost buy a shirt back then for $9. <laughs> 
But I send it out to be laundered, and I'm committed not to be in the room when the bellman delivers the shirt. Yeah. Because I needed to avoid the tip. Yeah, you want to avoid that tip. Might so don't look at him. Might have been ten dollars. Might have been eleven dollars. By the way, people are feeling your love right now. They're feeling. They, they, people have done that very thing. If I don't make eye contact, if I'm not there, there is no tip. <laughs> right. I get it. I can picture the hotel room. I can picture the door of the room, and I and I heard a voice in my spirit say, "Separate the cost of the service from the generosity opportunity that I'm placing before you." This is gold. Listen to this, guys. He said, it's not a bellman delivering your shirt. It's a person. See the person. He has a story. If you knew his whole story, why he's doing what he's doing, you would empty your pockets to him. I'm giving you an opportunity to be generous. And I believe, I believe the Lord was giving me an early test. You know, can you begin to see people, not maids, not bellmen, busboys, servers, but see a person with a story. And I believe he was, he was preparing me for early stage radical generosity. Yeah. yeah. ESRG. <laughs> but I wasn't there yet, but yeah. he was giving me a little bit of a test, a little bit of insight to the joy that it gave me, the joy that came from that act yeah. of generosity to see him. I express gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for your hard work at this hotel. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I gave him a big smile. That was an act of generosity. And I gave him $5. Yeah. Which was not related to the nine. No, can you imagine looking at your tipping opportunities, separating what you just spent? Like God told him, separate what you spent from a chance to be generous. Instead of, okay, this is you know the minimum is twenty percent on a on a dining bill these days. If you're not caught up to twenty percent, God bless you, catch up. But it's a little joke, but not seriously not. Can you imagine just separating those things? Here's the cost of something. Now comes the tip. This is my chance to be generous. God, what would you have me do? That is incredible. So now, let's fast forward to the attack. So it was several years ago. Uh, you went through a three-year nightmare situation and even were challenged to make some adjustments based on that. Could you share this whole nightmare story? Well, have you ever had a really hard day? I've had maybe one recently, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, a tough week. How about a thousand consecutive days yeah. of an all-out siege on on your character, on your reputation, on yeah. your business yeah. uh, by someone you don't even know? Uh, how about using the internet, websites, email campaigns, uh, getting uh, getting articles run in the Kansas City newspaper? We used to get these paper things. People would come by my house and throw paper at my house. And I would, yeah, oh, it had wee words on it. It was really okay. strange. So an art, you know, article in the Kansas City Star, uh, a rag newspaper that you'd pick up at Starbucks. That was the cover story. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he turned regulators in Washington, D.C. onto me. You've yeah. got to check this guy out. They made, a, they made it their cause for, yeah. uh, for three years to, uh, to make my life uh, miserable. Yeah. I'll tell you more about the, the details, but, but, you know, Am I the only one who's been through something like this? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, imagine a website about you, open up the paper, there's advertisements against you in the paper, lawyers calling you, this is more bad news. This is a three-year siege on your reputation, career, livelihood, everything. Yeah, and the Lord really allowed this uh, to occur for this three-year period to reorient Kari and my heart to generosity and stewardship. The the point we're at in, in our career is things are really going well. 
Um, I had been as high as the number two producer out of 7,000 uh, reps with my company. Um, I had a speaking business. I was speaking to groups of Northwestern Mutual producers. Several, several thousand attended a school that I created. Things were going going quite well. And uh, set that aside for a moment. I want to tell you something that was happening in parallel. Yeah. So this is back in 2001, the very same time. Uh, our church, our church at the time had a capital campaign, significant capital campaign for our church. Uh, out of the blue, the pastor asked me to be the chairperson of the capital campaign. Didn't really make sense. I, I wasn't an elder. I wasn't a leader in the church. Why me? Why was I appointed for that? And this is just prior to these attacks. Uh, I was asked to speak in front of our church and I spoke of radical generosity. We believed that the Lord was calling us to do doing something beyond what we had ever done to really confront our generosity walk. And I prayerfully considered, and Kari separately prayerfully considered, what would what would you have us do at this important time, this important uh, capital campaign? And the number that came to my mind was identical to the number that came to her mind. Yeah. And I want to give you a little bit of context. Um, I don't want this to come across in the wrong spirit. This is not what I'm about to tell you. It wasn't me. Yeah. The story is about the Lord at work here. The number that we came up with is a three-year commitment, tithes and offerings equivalent to the purchase price of the home that the original purchase price of the home we now live in. Yeah. And you know we didn't have that money. There wasn't an account. There wasn't a stock portfolio. This was a faith-based step out trusting God that he would provide uh, to, to accomplish that, that pledge. Yeah, can you guys imagine, if you're a homeowner, what was, to get in your mind, what was the cost of your house when you bought it? Get that number. Imagine praying to the Lord. We had two campaigns in our history, and this story, your story is similar to so many people, that a husband was praying, a wife was praying, and they both kind of separately came to this gut-punching, gasping-for-air kind of a number. Imagine pledging that for your tithes plus offerings over three years. And so, so you did that, and then right after that, what happened? So immediately after uh, giving that talk yes. and making that commitment, trust God, these attacks began. Boom. And it, a disgruntled, terminated rep with my company, I've never, I don't know him, I've never met him, he's yeah. in another city, another state. He was terminated, and he told in this exit interview, I will do whatever it takes to bring this company down. Now, how do you work to bring a company down? You focus on people. And I, because of my visibility uh, with my production and the, and the teaching, I was a natural target. He could take my message and, and warp who I am. So he created a website, a warped vision of who is Tom Lipscomb. And he sicked regulators on me who made it their own cause for three years, interviewing my clients, 40 clients repeatedly. Would you consider suing Mr. Lipscomb? Have you thought about it? Have, do you feel you've been misled? Uh, fortunately, my clients were very supportive. They eventually told the regulators uh, enough of these phone calls. But this lasted for three years. Uh, ads run in the Kansas City newspaper. Imagine opening the newspaper sports section on a Saturday and there's an ad with your name in it seeking litigation against you. We're suing Mr. Lipscomb. Would you join? And the home office at Northwestern Mutual said, look, you have a thousand clients, only three volunteered. That's great news. <laughs> only three lawsuits. Yeah. Only three. Congratulations. Only, only t- three times sheriffs show up at your house with papers uh, yeah. to deliver. 
and, and the rag newspaper and the website and what's next and what's next and yeah. the fear yeah. that would strike at, at 2 a.m. in the yeah. dark still of night. Yeah. So, so you have to, we talked a bit about this, but can you explain, did your wife and you ever discuss, okay, we made this commitment, but that was dumb. We are not going to do that. Uh, we are going to, we're going to give it to something else. Do you ever make any adjustments, discuss not giving, fulfilling your, your pledge? Well, a lot of prayer was involved, let's say. And my prayer, my prayer started as rescue me. I can't take this one more day. I, I offered suggestions. I had ideas, yeah, in in prayer. (laughs) How about this version of a rescue? And I think he wanted it to go long enough and deep enough and become severe enough. Uh, My attorney would call, well, one of eight attorneys working on my behalf would call. My phone would buzz, and it would be it would be a horrific sense to look at the caller ID. Uh, My attorney started every every conversation with, "Well, you're not going to believe this." He never started with. I have a bit of good news for three years. Yeah. Well, you're not going to believe this. And so we prayerfully considered, what what do we do? Yeah. And we committed to continue giving. And in fact, uh, prior to me speaking at our church before the beginning of these attacks, uh, an outside consultant worked with our capital campaign. He told a story of radical generosity. He said, I know a family who committed to selling their home to fulfill their pledge. I thought at the time, who would do that? Well, the attacks began. A, a voice in, in my spirit said, the home that we had spent three years in designing with an architect and building, that we had moved into and lived in for five years, that was going to be our final home, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to sell the home to fulfill the pledge. Spoke to Kari, same message. We looked at each other, and I need to tell you something, and we both told each other the same thing. Yeah. And that, I grieved that uh, at first. And then the Lord gave us great joy to make the sacrifice. We think of sacrifice as a cost. Yeah. Sacrifice is a source of joy. Yeah. And, and so we, we did fulfill the pledge uh, over that three-year period um, miraculously. Yeah. So you even said, how did it all come out? So it ended up where God just delivered you and, and crushed the website and the whole brought your reputation back, all these kind of things. So one of my attorneys, one of the lead attorney had told me, your career will not survive. Yeah. Uh, This is too horrific. You're not, it's over. You had a nice run. Prepare to move on. I'll get you out of this, but your career is over. And then I had to pay, I paid a large check to regulators. Finally, my attorney said, the other attorney, I had to have them wear name badges, eight of them. <laughs> My other attorney said, look, you're going to write the check. That's going to be over. Yeah. But the attacks continued because now I was feeding the fire of this. A, a couple years later, a federal judge ruled that the individual behind all of this was guilty of illegal practice of law. He had partnered with the lawyers to run the ads. Illegal practice of insurance, the website. Racketeering, attempted extortion. He was attempting to extort $25 million from Northwestern Mutual. The federal judge ruled he was guilty, and they awarded a judgment against him of, of around $20 million to Northwestern Mutual. Yeah. That vindication was publicized in Milwaukee, where the home office is, but it, it didn't make the Kansas City paper. That's not as newsworthy as 
please sue Tom Lipscomb. <laughs> yeah. Join us Apparently. in suing him. Uh, but you said, here's the most important part. You're, by the way, you're, there's people here who are, Tom, they're going through a nightmare situation or have in the past or they're about to enter it and they have no idea. You said the most important thing about this whole thing, God changed you and Kari on the inside. Can you speak to that, like through this whole time? I, I, you know, this was uh, uh, horrific in the sense that wherever I went in public, I was very self-conscious. Yeah. Uh, what are what do people know? What are they thinking? When someone asked me a simple question, how are you doing? I thought, what do they mean by how are you doing? And uh, God changed our heart through this. I became more tenderhearted. I became more empathetic for people who, who face challenges. Yeah. I began to see things differently. I, I, I cry uh, much more readily. I hurt for people that hurt. Yeah. He, he changed us. I, uh, the breaking point was when I had been praying, save me, save my career, rescue me, rescue my career, please, oh Lord, save, save what, save what I have. And I prayed finally, Lord, whatever you have for me, I accept that. I will take that version. If you want me to move back to Texas and live in a trailer, I will do it. Just make it a double wide. That was your extravagance. That was that was my genuine prayer. But, here, but guys, that's what that's what radical generosity is. When I mean, when you're when you're crucified with Jesus, I mean, you're talking about surrender. That's what God's always looking for us. He's looking for full surrender. When you are crucified, you give up all rights. People carry you. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Jesus' hands were nailed. His feet were nailed. He was stuck right there. We are called to pick up the cross and follow him. Full surrender is a joy you describe. It's giving up on what we want, what I want. Um, so now, this whole situation is over. So you have a practice you started doing, though, which I think I, I'd love people to hear. It's a, it's kind of, you call it exercising your generosity muscles. It's the generosity stash. Can you explain what the generosity yeah. stash is? I think, I think generosity is uh, very much like exercise. Uh, we all want to be generous deep down, I believe. And if, we, if I asked, everyone would say, yes, I seek, I seek to become more generous. And that's something I aspire to. And we, we tend to want that for at some point. But I believe generosity is like exercise. You have to start with the small weights first. And you find joy in generosity, and you work up to larger weights, and that's the exercise aspect of it. Um, a number of years ago, Kari and I created the idea of what we call the generosity stash. Yeah, generosity stash is, you know, how we don't need cash today. You don't, you don't need cash. Well, we go to the bank, and I put cash in my pocket, and once I put it in my pocket, that's that's my generosity stash. Yeah. I put it in my pocket, and and I look for opportunities to express gratitude. I look for opportunities. I, I want to see not bellmen and maids and busboys. I want to see people who are working hard, who have a story behind them. If I knew their whole story, I'd empty my pockets. Let me give you an example of yeah. the generosity stash. Yeah, I love this example. I'm in the Detroit airport. I go into the restroom. Um, about to wash, wash my hands. And the janitor says, just a minute, sir. And he's a, he has a rag in his hand. And he goes to the sink, and there's water all, all around the sink. He says, just a minute, sir. And he wipes it dry so that I have a nice place to set set my things. He fixes it for me. He has a big smile on his face. Just a minute, sir. I dry my hands, and I, 
I'd reach into my stash, and I first said, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I want to thank you for what you're doing here in the restroom and the, the experience that you've given me. Uh, God sees your work, and I want to let you know how much I appreciate you. And I handed him $20. And he has a big smile on his face. Thank you, sir. I can't tell you what this means to me. I go out. I walk down the concourse about 100 feet. A voice inside me speaks and says, go back. Okay. I turn around. I go back into the restroom. This time I see um, a man about to step up to the urinal. There's a puddle on the floor. And this janitor is saying to him, just a moment, sir. Is a different rag in his hand. I'm, I'm thankful to, for that. I want to be clear. <laughs> sink, urine, yep. sink. Go ahead. Two different colors. Thank you for that. It's color-coded. <laughs> and he, he gets down on his knees and he wipes away the puddle. Yeah. He doesn't see me, but he, he, he does that. Yeah. And I see it. I reach into my stash. I make eye contact. I say, I, I saw what you just did. I yeah. want to thank you. What you're doing is extraordinary, and God sees it, and he honors that, and I want to let you know how much I appreciate it, and I appreciate you. And I gave him the 20. Now he's got a tear forming in his ear, in his ear, in his eye. <laughs> Brian's disease is contagious, apparently. Uh, you just did. A, you just got ganned, apparently. It's yeah. fantastic. I think it rolled from here <laughs> to here. <laughs> and then right. I walk down the concourse. I get 100 feet down the concourse. A voice in my spirit says, Go back. Yeah. God's spirit keeps speaking to you. The whole point of this, he's listening to the spirit of God, whether it's generosity or with individuals. This is awesome. So you go back. I go back. Yeah. This time, before I get to the restroom, he's going across the, the concourse. He's got his cell phone. He's out and dialing. He goes into a back employee area. I follow him there. He turns and sees me. He's a bit surprised. Yeah. And he said, I was just calling my wife yeah. to tell her God is good. We hugged. Mm -hmm. We had a, a special moment. You know, I'd set a ripple in motion. Yeah. I don't know the extent of what the ripple, the ripple's behind. But it gave me great joy. There's nothing that I could have done with $20 that yeah. would give me near the joy that I had with him. And, and God has placed thousands of those before me. Yeah. And you have a profile. So you're looking for people essentially who are working hard. Uh, not asking for it. They're not being noticed. They're not being appreciated. People just kind of pass right by them. And you ask kind of essentially, can I make a difference in their life? Express gratitude. A couple things about that. You're, you separate, again, you're separating the cost of a moment versus a generosity opportunity. Now somebody's serving. That's your new generosity opportunity. And when the money hits your pocket, it's gone. Right? It's not yours. The stash is gone. It's going to be given away to somebody. You're just listening to the Lord to prompt you. Who is the person that I would reach out to that is God speak to me? And it's gone. And you're listening to God and obeying him on a, on a moment by moment basis out there. You have, have a verse that, that prompted you about this or you think about it. Second Corinthians 9 verse 10 to 11. You want to explain what, why this is meaningful to you? Well, this, this speaks to me. Uh, it says, he who supplies seed to the sower. And, and the first part that jumps out of me. He who supplies seed to the sower. We have to be the sower first. Yeah. And then he supplies seed. And sower gives it away. I mean, you, it's not a hoarder. He supplies seed to the hoarder. He supplies seed to the sower. It's got to go away. He will yeah. also supply and increase your store of seed. When you become the sower, he supplies the seed and he gives you increase in your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest 
of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And I think we're, we're, we tend to be, uh, occasionally generous. We, we experience bursts of generosity. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm doing right. it, right? right? We think, oh, I'm, I'm being generous and I'm generous on occasion. And, and, and God is saying, He's enriching us to be generous on every occasion. And yeah. that generosity might be thank you. Yeah. It might be an expression of gratitude. It, it, it might be putting a, a couple dollars with it, five dollars, whatever, whatever the amount. There's something about uh, making that, that expression of gratitude authentic yeah. when you put a bit of money with it. It's not about the money. It's about noticing people. It's about seeing people. It's the generosity of I see you and I appreciate you. Yeah, and you said if, what's interesting is that if the speech portion of it that is the most important is looking in the eye, you're, you're taking somebody out, you're looking in the eye, say thank you. It's about the message you're giving somebody first of all, and then afterwards, kind of putting your money where your mouth is, then you reach out and kind of grab from the stash. Say, I, I just want to give you a token of my gratitude. And people can do this at every economic level. You could take ten dollars, two five dollars, put it in your pocket, consider it given away, just listen to the Lord. You could do it with a hundred dollars or whatever the case may be. Just, it's gone. And Lord, if there's somebody in need or there's a moment that you prompt me, you could be generous, give them that speech and let them know. What's interesting is the end part of that verse, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's what that guy did. He called his wife and he said, I just told him, God is good. He actually did, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 11, because you were generous uh, listening to the Lord prompting you in this moment. All right. So, um, you anything more to add to that? Some days you won't find any of that prompting, and some days he'll give you seven opportunities. Yeah, that's right. And and I think the orientation is you start looking differently. Where's my opportunity Hmm. to express gratitude, to express generosity? We we look we look for it differently. He'll give you those opportunities. You exercise a little bit of your generosity muscle, and then when confronted with the big opportunity to be generous, you're ready, and you've experienced the joy of generosity. Yeah. So you are a, a serious introvert, self-proclaimed introvert, to the point that you said um, that in college you wouldn't call and order pizza because why? It was well, calling Pizza Hut is a little too confrontational. Too confrontational. Yes, they're very confrontational. Did you mean pepperoni? Right. So, but seriously, you're, you, you, you scared me there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I must have worked in a part-time job there. But also, you said you wouldn't even set your own haircut. You had your my mom. My mom. Mom setting your haircuts. So being such an introvert, why are you here? Why Why did you volunteer <laughs> slash get voluntold? I, mean, I remember meeting you in our lobby after I spoke on generosity. And you came up and you were just oozing the passion. Why are you sharing your story when you are such an introvert? Well, that thought occurred to me about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Regret, yes. You know, I, I have a sense of mission about this uh orient ourselves to generosity first. And I want others to experience the joy, the joy that comes from stepping out in faith in generosity. And and I think of the ripples that are set in motion when we're generous. We don't see, we don't see it. The ripples are behind us. We don't know the extent of what results from that, but there's great joy in setting ripples in motion. Imagine Imagine the impact to us individually with a focus on generosity. Imagine the impact of the ripples individually and then collectively for Grace Church and the impact that we can make collectively 
in the world making a difference by the ripples we set in motion. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, Second Corinthians chapter 8 says that God calls us to grow in the area of generosity. Continually grow. You never stop growing. Just like you grow in faith, knowledge, how you speak, what you think. Are you growing in generosity? So let's review just different ways God may have prompted you. What was your moment? He starts out by talking about his dad gets saved and starts tithing. Are you tithing? Have you taken that step? My friend in our church, we just saw this morning and just think, I say, I asked him again, it's been two or three months. How you doing? He says, I don't understand it. I started tithing. It didn't make sense on paper and God provides. I don't get it. Some of you have never taken that step because you don't see it. You're living by sight, not by faith. Is it time to start tithing 10% of everything you receive, giving back to God? How about first fruits giving, giving to God like they did in biblical times, the first 10%, when you're not sure the rest of the harvest is coming in, trusting God. How about offerings beyond the tithes? I mean, he was marched in by a coworker. You're going to give 100 bucks a month, 1,200 bucks a year to this missionary. How about realizing that you could support more, more than one missionary? God's faithfulness to, through the nightmare. You might be in a nightmare right now. It's not the same nightmare, but you have the same questioning, backing off in your faith. Are you going to trust God? The generosity stash, is that your moment? To put something, anything in your pocket and it's conceptually gone. Now you're listening to God. You're aware of him being generous on every occasion. What is your moment? God is generous. He continually pours out undeserved blessings every day. You woke up today. You don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. That was poured out on you today. You're experiencing God's generosity to you. And when you grow closer to him, you keep growing in generosity. Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago came, and we didn't ask for it, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, and God's solution for the world, turning their back on him, is to take the one he loved, his child. Imagine giving your child up to the ones who turn their backs on you and would manhandle, mutilate, and murder your son as the solution. God is radically generous and when you grow spiritually god continues to grow you into generosity generosity on every every occasion radical generosity let's pray god i thank you uh, for just this story which just illustrates a family's journey of following your holy spirit learning about generosity listening to your spirit responding to you faith in a dark time. I pray for those who are in dark times right now. They have a different story of a nightmare. But God, it's just as real. The 2 a.m. fear gripping their heart. It is just as real. And God, bring your Holy Spirit to comfort them. Help them to believe your promises. Drive out fear from their soul which grips them and tortures them. God, I pray for those who are you are prompting right now to take that next step of growth in generosity, they would say yes to you. Yes. They'll take that step in following you in obedience and faith. And for those who are far from you, God, call them to salvation right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.